Hey y'all, welcome back to this episode of Tea with Taylor. In this episode, I really want to focus on Marxism, the ideas behind the ideology, specifically sourcing his book, The Communist Manifesto, as well as discussing in historical context the nations that then put these ideologies or implemented them politically and the results of what happened to these nations and why I think it's really important as far as we see it being introduced into the American society. So I think it is important to talk about what these ideas are and what these ideologies are. And so that is the purpose of this video. So let's get into it. And I know I need new coffee mugs. Maybe one day I'll have my own. So, but for now, you guys just see the same ones, whatever. So let's first start by saying or discussing kind of a brief history of who Karl Marx is. He was born in 1818. He was born in Persia, which was present day or yeah, Persia, present day Germany. He was born Jewish. His father then became Lutheran in 1817 and Karl Marx was baptized in 1824. He later, Karl, became an atheist and detested religion. And I quote, religion is the opium of people. His father, Heinrich, was a lawyer and provided somewhat of a wealthy lifestyle for him and his family. And once he passed, his mother did end up cutting off the allowance to Marx. And Marx was known not to be very responsible with his money. Many times throughout his life, he had to be bailed out. One such person that did help bail him out was his partner, Ingalls. And Marx went on to study in Paris and become a journalist. Even though he lived and earning through like the capitalist system, being a journalist, he actually detested it and used much of his life to work to destroy it, uh, which is somewhat, you know, there's, there's great irony in that. And also his partner, Ingalls, did also live somewhat of a bourgeoisie lifestyle. He worked for his family business and retired by the age of 50. In 1844, Marx and Ingalls met and they they agreed on the theory of the bourgeoisie versus the proletariats. They studied the working class conditions and contextualized their ideology in, they contextualized their ideology in terms of class warfare from the perspective of the collective underclass known as the proletariats. Though Marx was known as being somewhat self-absorbed and arrogant, it wasn't until decades later after he died that people actually ended up starting to pick up on who he was and his ideologies and then really was exacerbated as far as popularity come the 20th century because many nations across the 20th century implemented Marxism and led to much devastation, which we will get into. And those, much devastation as far as it led to the death of over 100 million people, which we'll get into. And many of you, and if you hear my cat, I have a cat. And I don't know if many of you, if any of you have a cat, but it's hard to get anything done when you have a cat. So I apologize. Um, but anyways, so for those of you unfamiliar with what Marxism is, you might be thinking to yourself, what ideology leads to the death of 100 million people? But you might be more, you might be more aware of the terminology as far as socialism and communism, which are all derived from and created under the auspices of Marxism, which we'll get into a little bit more. So let's get into these ideologies that are behind these, the ideas behind these ideologies. 
But first, I kind of want to go over just the dictionary definition. So these definitions are sourced directly from Merriam-Webster, and I want to go over Marxism, Socialism, and Communism. Marxism, a theory and practice of socialism, including the labor theory of value, dialectical, materialism, the class struggle, and dictatorship of the proletariats. Socialism, any of various economic and political theories advocating collectively for governmental ownership of administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. Communism, theory advocating eliminating of private property through a totalitarian system of government in which a single authoritarian party controls state-owned means of production. Doctrine based on revolutionary Marxism, socialism, and Marxism-Leninism that the official that was the official ideology of the USSR. And I also want to provide you with the definitions of the bourgeoisie and the proletariats that I referenced already and I will reference more throughout this video. The bourgeoisie of relating to or characteristic of the social middle class or otherwise known as capitalist dominated by commercial and industrial interest. Proletariat, the lowest social or economic class of community, the class of industrial workers who lack their own means of production and hence sell their labor to live. So now, what are the ideas behind these ideologies? And let's reference the source itself, the Communist Manifesto, which was written by Karl Marx and um, Frederick Engels. And Marx has other sources of writings that obviously you can reference, but for the sake of this video, we're going to specifically focus on the Communist Manifesto. So the book opens up by stating that the immediate aim of, of the communists is the same of the proletariat party, to overthrow the bourgeoisie supremacy and conquest of all political power to the proletariat. The theory of communism can be summed up to one sentence, abolish private property. And that really is the essence or core of what Marxism is, is that the collective over the individual and that there cannot be private property because everything is for everyone. Or at least that's the premise of the idea, but in actuality, everything is for the government and then the government chooses what is for everyone else. And additional goals outlined in the Com Communist Manifesto are as follows, and I will kind of circle back to them a little bit later in the video to discuss them more in depth but i just want to go over a broad view of what they are first and i'm going to list them abolish free oh. abolish the state of things called the bourgeoisie or middle class and capitalism abolish individuality and freedom abolish free trade free selling and free buying abolish culture and law abolish the family abolish capital abolish countries and nationalities Abolish the idea of religious freedom, the freedom of conscience to sway the competition within the domain of knowledge. Abolish eternal truths. Abolish all religion and morality. Now I'm going to list the policies that are outlined in the book that would be idealistically or generally applicable to the countries that advanced these Marxist ideologies, socialism, communism, Marxism, whatever you want to call it. And pay attention closely because I'm going to reference policies that I find parallels as far in the American system and see if you agree or any other policies that you can think of that have somewhat parallel or similarities to the policies in this communist manifesto. Number one, abolish of proper, abolish, uh, abolition of property in land and application of rents in land to public purposes. 
maybe not to the total extreme, but we rent our land here in America. We have property taxes. We do not own the rights to our land. We rent it from the government. Number two, a heavy progressive or gradual income tax. We have that here in America. You can reference one of my other videos, Taxes in America, where I go over who pays the majority of taxes and how it, uh, how they are paid as far as the percentages incrementally based off how much you make. And it does progressively go up based off the income of the individual. Number three, abolish of all rights of inheritance. Again, maybe not to the total extreme, but we do have an inheritance tax and a death tax or estate tax here in America. So once someone passes away, what they plan to pass on to their family members, family members and what they would inherit, it's taxed. Even though what it was to purchase or create that that is being passed down was done by dollars that were already taxed. Number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Number five, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with the state and an exclusive monopoly. In 1913, the Federal Reserve came to fruition and they controlled the American monetary system and have a monopoly over printing money. Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transportation in the hands of the state, public roads and transportation. And today we have Pete Buttigieg, I think, who is the Secretary of Transportation. Not sure what he knows about transportation or what credentials he has to make policy based off it, but whatever, he's a politician, so who cares what his experience is? But he has been communicating that they are discussing a potential mileage tax on the American citizens. So the government would then dictate or help control your travel and tax you based on how much you travel. Number seven, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. Currently, our government system offers many subsidies or tax benefits to corporations or companies of their choosing. So they're choosing winner, winners and losers and kind of and, and really blurring the lines between private and public enterprise rather than just having a low flat corporate tax or business tax to everyone, they pick and choose who they would like to benefit or not, really trying to sway the market. And like I said, blurring the lines between public and private enterprise or commerce. Number eight, equal liability of all to labor, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. In America, we have public unions. Number nine, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of population over the country. And this might not be the same thing, but here in America, we have more and more, we're giving more power to the federal government rather than having federalism, where the idea of the power being at the most lower local level as possible, it's becoming more impossible because of all the federal authorities. So you're, you're being mandated on a federal level, therefore the individual states governing how they see fit becoming more and more impossible or difficult. Number 10, free education for all children in public schools. We have public schools here in America and as someone who went to public schools their whole life, I feel comfortable saying that we do a grave disservice to our children in public schools. Many, and this isn't to say all public schools are bad, but many of them 
aren't very good. They fail to educate our children where they're not even, they can't even graduate or read and write at grade level. They miseducate and they ultimately indoctrinate filling their minds with ideologies like Marxism. And that is all sourced from the government purposefully. And when you consider the amount of overlap between these policies, between America and the Communist Manifesto that I just listed and the parallels that I've noticed, can you honestly say that America is a capitalist system? I mean, at best, we're a mixed economy. And I would say the prosperity of our economy is, is solely from the capitalist portion of the mixed economy that we have. And that is what is sustaining our economy, but it is increasingly becoming more and more regulated by the government. And as we know, most people in the government don't know anything about business. They haven't owned a business. They haven't created a business. Most of them haven't even worked for a business. I mean, you have politicians like Bernie Sanders who have literally been lifelong politicians, but want to mandate and dictate and regulate how governments are, I mean, how businesses control and operate. It's crazy. It makes no sense. And, it, and many countries that do this where the government then seizes or controls and regulates all aspects of government and the free market then fail because in an example of this is venezuela which was once a rich country the government then seized control of all aspects of society leading to the collapse of industry though that they were though even though they were rich in natural in, in natural resources because these govern these people that they put in charge to regulate had no idea what they were doing or talking about. And countries reached this the point of Venezuela by implementing these policies that we just discussed to obtain the goals that we just previously discussed. And now I kind of want to go, like I said, those those bullet points that I just referenced not too long ago that I said I would circle back to more in depthly, I want to go over. One of them being, or to start off, abolish the state of things called the bourgeoisie, middle class, or capitalist. Marxism, socialism, communism, they want to accomplish equality by all means necessary. Even if that means means destroying progress and creating poverty and misery among society. Equal misery and equal poverty. That's what actually ends up happening under Marxism, socialism, and communism with the caveat of those that are in government. Abolish individuality and freedom. Promoting the abolishment of individuality and freedom is promoting the destruction of, of self, of people looking to themselves and being themselves and treating others as individuals, looking at themselves as individuals, which you would think would be contradicting to the leftist ideology because leftist ideology is always accept others for who they are, be who you want to be. But the irony of leftist ideology is they are a walking and yelling contradiction. They want to destroy all standards. They demand you accept them, but they detest you. You can be yourself as long as you don't it, you can be yourself as long as you are not a threat to the collective. And that's a dangerous ideology. If we do not conduct ourselves in a manner of judging others by their actions and their actions alone, and that we have free will, then we are under mob rule. And it's either you're with us or against us. And if you're against us, we will destroy you. 
Continuing on, abolish free trade, free selling, and free buying. The concept of free trade, free selling, and free buying is the most important concept of capitalism and why it is the most free form of an economic system. You and I have the power to support individuals, industries, or companies based off our purchasing habits. That we have the freedom to buy and sell and support rather than the government telling us what we can. That's how we have the abundance of things that we have. That's why it is very important for us to be mindful of who and what we are purchasing, what the company stands for, what policies or ideologies they're pushing for, what products they sell and where they are made and how they are made. Because that is how we have the power to dictate or help promote values that we find important. It's through our pocketbook. And if the government abolishes free trade selling and buying, well then we can only buy and sell what the government deems essential. Sound familiar? Abolish culture and law. You cannot have a functioning society that does not have a shared culture or set of value or foundational principles. And you can't have a society function where everyone doesn't play by the same rules. And that is what we see here in America where we no longer agree on the beliefs of our founding documents or our founding documents at all or what they stand for. And so it's corroding us from the inside and we're having this battle of beliefs which is really starting to look to see, look as if we're splitting as Americans, um, which is upsetting because the beliefs that our country were founded from are founded on that all men are created equal under God. The beliefs in our founding documents are really important and they are, they are essential. And if we don't agree on that, I don't know how we move forward as a country, to be honest. And I continue, abolish the family. The family should be sacred. It is statistically proven that when you have a core nuclear family, when you have a mother and a father in a home, it is statistically proven that that family or those individuals within that family have a better chance of succeeding. And it's important to find the family sacred. That's not to say everyone has a perfect family or that everyone's family, and trust me, I know from personal experience that you have a tight bondage with everyone in your family. But it is to say that it is important to find, even if you don't have that, to understand and acknowledge that the family is sacred. Because if the government can destroy the fundamental belief that the family is sacred, they can then, or their hopes are to be able to eliminate that loyalty to one another and find that allegiance with the state. And they reference this, or George Orwell does in 1984, because they have their children being soldiers for the state and then telling on their family and giving them up to the state, which is ultimately the state's goal. It's not you and your family or your friends come first. It's the state comes first. And I continue, abolish capital. Without capital, you have no innovation, you have no progress, and humans need a reason to create. They need a reason and an incentive to make risks or take risks and work, and that is being capital. And that's why capitalism really understands human behavior, and it flourish, humans flourish because 
they know if, if if you are in a true capitalist system that if you if you risk things and you work and you create you will you have an incentive because you will then reap those benefits and people like marx and those of these ideologies really do understand human behavior because they understand that human behavior is the key to politics and manipulation and they understand this which is why they're they're so good at it and i continue abolish countries and nationalities the purpose of destroying the bur the the borders or blurring where borders are is to destroy the culture within and you can do this through obviously borders and infiltration of people but also the corrosion of ideologies through news and culture and it can be done by outside sources because today or outside outside nations because today you're not gonna if you're a leading power you're not going to compete with other nations by blowing them up we'll just what, obliterate the whole world but china has influence through our sports teams through our companies through our news networks and what are they doing? They're corroding the values of America to then infiltrate. And I continue. Abolish the idea of religious freedom and freedom of conscience to sway the competition within the domain of knowledge. The purpose of abol abolishing religion is because they know that if you are a man or a woman, but you know, I mean that unisexly when I say that. Um, if you are a man that fears God, then you're not going to fear the state and they don't need opposition or religious opposition. They need conformity. And that's why they try and remove religion because they want allegiance to the state. They want the state and the government to be your religion. They don't want you to have these set of values and to have a higher purpose because your purpose is to defend and to facilitate the to facilitate whatever the government is really portraying because the state comes first. And that's why it's important in our founding documents when they had the separation of church and state. And obviously many conceptualize that as just being, you don't want religion to con orchestrate or be police the state in terms of religion, but our founding fathers found it important to protect it from a religious basis. They don't want the government to dictate what religion you have. It really was to safeguard religion. And I continue, abolish eternal truths. The truth is optional. In this, in this ideology, the truth is optional. It's the narrative that then justifies what the ends are. You are to not speak upon the truth if it's against the narrative, which the media does that they the, the media picks and chooses what they speak about and what they don't speak about to push a narrative and they do it exceptionally and i wanted to quote this specifically from aoc aoc said herself there's a lot of people and i and i quote there's a lot of people who are more concerned about being precisely factually and semantically correct than about being morally right and my question to her would be, how are you morally right if you're lying or actively, consciously not telling the truth? How is that moral? And Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. And as you guys know, I love Jordan Peterson. But he says that you have, you have to tell the truth. The truth is the only option if you want a good outcome. 
and that a lie will only make things worse. And eventually, the truth will always be exposed. And if, if, if many lies were told before that to hinder or hide the truth, once the truth is shows itself, things will be much worse. And I continue, abolish all religion and morality. And like I said, they want to, they want to get rid of religion because they want the, the state to be your religion. And they understand that human nature has a, has a religious tendency. Rather, wh whether that be religion as far as God, gods, nature, animals, astrology, energy, science, or politics. By the state eliminating the belief of the eternal truths and the objective morality, the state is then able to push their truth to justify any means to obtain their desired end. And I find it funny to say we hear a lot, tell you, speak your truth. There is only your truth. I mean, there's only the truth and then your opinion. And then I continue. In short, the communists everywhere support every revolutionary movement against the existing political and order of things. The labor everywhere for the union and agreement of the de democratic parties of all countries. And Marx specifically says in this book, the terminology, democratic socialist. And if you were to ask me, democratic socialist, socialist, they mean the same thing. The only difference is the emotional appeal that democratic in front of socialist has to many of you. And I continue, and this is where these bullet points end. Let the ruling class tremble at a communist revolution. Working men of all countries unite. They openly declare that their ends can be attained by only forcibly overthrowing the existing social conditions of the capitalist system. Now, I that you kind of have a basis of what the Marxist ideology is, and I and I recommend you guys all read this book. You're all capable, okay? It's 30 pages long, it's an easy read, and you're all able to do it. And it's important. You should know the ideologies that are being pushed on you and figure out what you believe. Think for yourself. You have a brain. Use it. And so now that we have the basis, let's discuss when these ideologies have been implemented. Specifically, the 20th century, you first had Lenin and then followed by Stalin in the Soviet Union, who were admirers of Marx, and they led to devastation in the death of somewhere around like 21 million, it, it might even be higher. And they were influenced by the Marxist ideology and created a revolution upon class warfare. You had Mussolini in Italy, though he was considered a fascist, he was an admirer of Marx. You have Hitler in Germany, who was influenced by Marx and was the leader of the National Socialist Party. He was a socialist, you guys, okay? Hitler was a socialist. Can we, can we start saying that? And then you have Mao in China, another socialist dictator influenced by Marx, who led to the death of an estimated of 50 to 80 million of his own people dead. You have Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, you had Castro in Cuba, you had Plot Pot in, in, I think I'm saying that right, in Cambodia. There was others too. And all these nations led to poverty, despair, and death. And they all were derived from the ideology of Marxism. And then, you know, they changed terminology to socialism and communism. I mean... The differences are, the fact that we, we act like one is so different than the others, I, I don't quite understand that. And like I said, these dictators were 
influenced by the ideology of Marx and they led to over a hundred million deaths of their people. And a lot of these times these policies are implemented in times of despair of their people where they're looking for an answer, whether that be in war, inflation, and in poverty. And they look towards the government to solve their problems. And I think if we could absorb the lessons of the past is that the government can't save you. But yet, we still have many trying to adopt these ideologies here in America. And realistically, this has been going on for a long time. In the 1950s, we had McCarthyism where, or the Red Scare where they had, the government had a series of investigations and hearings throughout, them, throughout America in attempt to expose those who supported communism. And in America, we have a combination of different groups of people that are pushing for the destruction of America through these policies, some knowing, some unknowing. I think we have politicians and corporations who are doing it knowingly. They have sinister motives for money purposes or that they have already sold off America for personal gain. We have foreign nations influencing our political system, our news and our culture like China, because China has a hundred year plan. I America has a plan that's, I don't know, it's, it's ever changing and we can never, we can never get on board and agree with one another. We have stupid politicians and public figures that spouse these ideas based off ignorance and just money. And then we have a citizenry that consists of many ignorant people who don't know history, don't know American history, and don't use their brains to think they're, they're too emotional. They're emotional, they're self-victimized, and they're self-aggrandized by their virtue signaling. And the only way to combat this or hopefully, you know, I think we're at a tipping point to hopefully swing the tipping point back to our fundamental principles is to take responsibility upon ourselves on these ideas that are pushed for to figure out what we believe to educate ourselves to read books, to listen to opposing ideas to accept conversation and debate with those that we may disagree and to just really try and think about what we believe not just believe what we are told. And it is remarkable to me that we have so many examples like I just discussed of history yet we don't learn from it and we tend to never learn the the lessons of history you know that saying where they say history repeats itself I like the other saying a little bit better where it says history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes because the same ideologies and tactics are used to manipulate people but they could be done in a different way through different forums or different technologies as we progress as a society and for some reason, you know, today we reject biology and we object eternal truths. But the truth is that these tyrannical tendencies are a part of human nature. It is seeded within each and every one of us. That shit is ancient. But yet we want to act like it can never be us. Everything that I just spoke about in these ideologies and the, the human atrocities of the past were done by humans. The people in government are humans. Let's stop acting like we can, we're so much smarter than our founders. We're so much smarter than the generations and the societies before us because I don't know, we have MacBooks and we have iPhones and we have the internet and we have email. Just because you have access to knowledge doesn't mean you have wisdom or doesn't mean that you are educated. And I would just say that that denial of that this tendency, this 
tyrannical tendency is in each and every one of us and it's in that meaning it's in our government we do that at our own peril and the lack lacking the perspective that there are literal dictators today in the world in 2021 while also lacking the self-awareness that many of you support these tactics used in these ideologies and i'm going to list some of the ones that i thought about that i see many of you support even though you're virtual you virtual you virtue signal as if like this is for the betterment um but you do see society as more of a collective than an individual and many of you support the giving of government you support giving the government more control and expanding the scope of their power you support government confiscation and distribution of people's wealth you support the consolidation of public and pi private enterprise. You support the censorship of ideas that you don't like. You support the idea that there's no such thing as, there, there's such thing as hate speech. Who determines hate speech? That's a slippery slope and, a slip, and the slippery slope is a real thing. You support canceling those you disagree with and outcasting them from civil society. You support calling them Nazis, racist, Uncle Tom, sexist, homophobic if you don't if they don't think the way you want them to. You support the destruction of buildings and cities if it justifies your end goal. And then you say they're peaceful protest. You support the policies and institutions that want to destroy the nuclear family. You support the corrosion of social norms. You support the, the demonization of capitalism, the fairest economic system that resulted in lifting billions of people out of poverty. You support the implementation of racism through affirmative actions, quotas, and uh, what is being taught today as critical race theory. You support the government being able to forcibly shut down businesses and dictate who people and citizens can or cannot see, even if that's their own family. You support government-mandated medication and open to the idea of medical identification in order to participate in society, otherwise known as show me your papers. You support the infringement of the right of the people to keep and bear arms. You support the unwarranted government surveillance of Americans who have not committed a crime. They just think differently. You support the censorship of the President of the United States who 40 of your fellow Americans or 70 million, over 70 million of your fellow Americans voted for and you support his censorship. You support the idea that America is a systemically a racist country that the only way to rid her of her sins is to is to tear down society from the inside out by all means necessary, even if those means are sinful themselves. And in order to implement in, in all the policies that we discuss and everything that we see around us is that the government needs a crisis. They need their people to be in crisis to then look for the government to save them. They need, the, they need crisis to be able to expand the scope of their power, whether that be times of war, poverty, inflation, starvation, disease, racial or political tensions, or even climate change. And that's because they need fear. Fear is a very strong emotion within, the, within humans that allows for others to manipulate them based off that fear. And in the United States, there's been many instances of this where policies have been portrayed or communicated as temporarily, but they never seem to go anywhere. We had the income tax that was in the Civil War to pay for the Civil War. We had the Federal Reserve, 1913, and then the income tax was ratified in 1913. We had the Patriot Act after 9-11 that 
many, and I would, are, I would probably agree with, that violated our Fourth Amendment right. In the past year, we've forfeited our freedoms and liberties and pursuits of happiness for the government for a disease that has been exploited politically. The rules that are ever-changing, most of them don't make sense, and if you question the science or, that, or their authority, you are considered about not caring if people die. Emotions over logic. Can't be logical, you can't think for yourself. Only be emotional. And if you do think for yourself, well then, you're a bigot. And I don't know about you, but in a country where you can't question or ask questions about government authority, that's not a free country. So is America a free country today? I don't know, it seems to be less and less so. And for these policies, like I said, they were communicated or portrayed to the public as being temporarily because they, only, they knew that was the only way that maybe the people would be on board. But as we know, if you give up your freedoms and your liberties to the government, you hardly or rarely ever, if ever, get those liberties and freedoms back. And the only way to remain a free society is by having an educated public, which is why it's so important that you take the time to try and learn some of these policies or these values or these ideologies that are being forced upon us and portrayed to us. Because an educated mind cannot be enslaved and it's important that you think for yourself. And it's interesting, human and human behavior and history, it's fascinating. And the only way for us to move forward is really to have trust in our people and in our citizens over the government. We should want more power in the hands of individuals and freedom in each other rather than the government. That does not mean everything will be perfect. We are humans. We're incapable of creating this perfect state of utopia because man is not perfectible. Freedom is difficult. It's messy. And it can be personally conflicting because at times you may want something or people to act one way, but in a free society, as long as they're not infringing on your freedoms and harming you or your property, you got to let them live. Live and let live. And we have to understand that always, throughout all of human history, freedom has not been a thing for all of human history, for one. It is actually unique. And freedom is always under attack and at risk of being taken and being taken from the people by the powers that be. And let's not make it easy on them. So that is the gist of the Communist Manifesto and the ideologies behind it and the parallels that I see today in American history or in American society and why I feel it's so important to talk about these things to hopefully change the trajectory of this country and to really understand the foundational principles to respect freedom and liberty and to respect the freedom and liberty of people that you live with, your neighbors, even if it's they're not doing what you want them to do, to accept that and to question the government. Don't blindly follow the government because bad things happen when people do that. And revolutions, the American Revolution is unique. So I hope you found this informative. And like I said, read it yourself. So thank you for joining me uh, with this episode of Tea with Taylor. And I'll talk to you guys soon. God bless.